Welcome to Rebel Roundup, ladies and gentlemen, and the rest of you, in which we look back at some of the very best commentaries of the week by your favorite Rebels. I'm your host, David Menzies. Well, the City of Toronto somehow thought it would be a jolly good idea to launch a propaganda campaign that depicted unvaxxed children as so many unclean mini typhoid Marys. It was a shameful disgrace. And Tamara Ugolini has a few things to say on this latest and grotesque stillborn COVID-19 indoctrination campaign that was funded by, guess who? Yep, you, the taxpayer. It's hurricane season and Atlantic Canada was hammered by the aftermath of Hurricane Fiona. So as power lines were downed and flooding occurred, what was the biggest concern of the Department of Fisheries and Oceans? Well, it was to tweet out a reminder to folks that if any wayward lobsters should wash up on shore, it is illegal to harvest them. Yeah, so, you know, folks, do your civic duty. Go hungry in the dark. Unbelievable. Sheila Gunn-Reed has plenty to say on a bureaucratic tweet that was equal parts terrible and tone deaf. And letters, we get your letters, we get your letters every minute of every day, and I'll share some of your responses about a PPC-led protest in Burlington, Ontario last Sunday regarding Busty Lemieux, that's that shop teacher at Oakville Trafalgar High School who is allegedly transitioning into a woman, complete with enormous fake breasts with fake nipples protruding through see-through tops. Yikes. But hey, the Halton District School Board is perfectly okay with this grotesque display of gender identity. Good to see that normal people are standing up to this ongoing transanity. Those are your rebels. Now let's round them up. No, honey, there's still something going around. Okay. The City of Toronto received so much backlash on their vaccine propaganda ads that they quickly scrubbed them from the public record. But they forgot that the internet is forever. Mary Ugolini here with Rebel News, bringing you a small sampling of the kind of propaganda amplified by the City of Toronto under Mayor John Tory when it comes to the COVID-19 injectables, or as they like to call them, vaccines. And we are filing an access to information request to find out who is responsible, apart from this shadowy entity called the Vaccine Engagement Team, and how much taxpayers paid into this manipulative fear campaign. You can support these efforts at rebelinvestigates.com. Before I show you a few of the now scrubbed ads, I want to give you some historical context by way of how the city of Toronto has run multiple manipulative campaigns intended to increase COVID-19 vaccine uptake and confidence with a targeted effort on children, youth and families. ...to 12 plus uh, for those who wish to get vaccinated so that we're encouraging uh, families to come here as part of the cause that we're all engaged in, which is to uh, get people to, um, to um, uh, 
get vaccinated so that we can keep people healthy. As soon as the injections were authorized under emergency use for those aged 12 and up in May of 2021, the City of Toronto hosted a vaccine clinic in Nathan Phillips Square with free ice cream and a DJ to boot. It was supposed to be some sort of May 2-4 long weekend vaccine party, which was super strange and denounced quite rapidly online and by protesters. Elected officials wanted to share in the excitement too. Check out this school board trustee and his excitement. Free ice cream, so come on down and get your shot. The executive director of the University Health Network, which is an organization that is comprised of the hospitals along University Avenue in Toronto, called this a social medicine kicker because yay, these are Torontonians tax dollars hard at work. Before the injections were approved for the 5 to 11 year olds, which didn't come until November of 2021, the city had already kicked into action with a full on superhero campaign in September of 2021 to prepare for the rollout of these injections on children who are not at all at risk of severe COVID outcomes. The then Toronto Board of Health Chair Joe Cressy even preyed on the emotions of parents and children by saying that heroes protect their city. That's exactly what you're doing when you get vaccinated against COVID-19. Well, there you have it, folks. Whether it is marketers on Madison Avenue selling beer or ideologues in our schools selling Marxism, the call to action slogan is exactly the same. Namely, get them young get them forever. Indeed, these sort of manipulative marketing campaigns are still taking place in municipalities across Canada when it comes to the COVID-19 vaccine. And perhaps the very worst example to date is that City of Toronto propaganda campaign portraying unvaxxed children as being, you know, unclean little mini typhoid Marys. Unbelievable and absolutely egregious and beyond the pale. Heads should roll, but nobody will pay a price for this outrageous garbage because we're dealing with a government entity and government can do no wrong, just ask the people that make up government. Joining me now with more on this story is Tamara Ugolini. Hey, how are you doing there, Tamara? Hey, David. Well, now that these ads are scrubbed, I'm doing a lot better. What about you? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, Tamara, when I first saw this ad, I thought it was a parody, a hoax. But when I discovered this was indeed produced by the city of Toronto and it cost tens of thousands of dollars to produce it, I was gobsmacked. Tamara, what was your initial reaction when you first viewed this COVID-19 pornography? Well, sadly, I wasn't surprised. Given the history of the city of Toronto and all of the various levels of government in their ad campaigns targeting COVID and non-compliance, and then as we saw the injections begin to be rolled out, the extreme propaganda that was thrust on all levels of society indiscriminately for the better part of a year, uh, it really didn't shock me that the city of Toronto was still pandering this idea that children need to get this experimental novel injection to be protected against COVID-19, despite the fact that as more real-world data continues to evolve in the science, which is ever-evolving, details the fact that these injections don't actually stop the spread 
they don't prevent infection and whether or not they have any effect on severe outcome, which the vast majority of children are not even at risk of anyway, um, whether or not they have an impact on severe outcomes with a COVID infection is negligible at best. So, you know, I always go back to when you're traveling along the major uh, highway corridors and the routes, for instance, the 401, and they had changed the signs on the highway from save a life, wear your seatbelt, or, you know, don't drink and drive. Instead, they changed it to things like get vaccinated, save your community. Um, the best thing you can do is get your COVID-19 vaccine. And instead of there being any sort of road safety highlights or signs up anymore, it was all vaccine, vaccine, vaccine. So this really wasn't surprising for me when I, when I did see it. I mean, as gross and grotesque as it is, it wasn't surprising. You know, you're absolutely right, Tamara. It's all part of a grand narrative, isn't it? Where the message, the underlying message is, if you don't get double vaxxed and have your booster shots, and now they're talking about getting jabbed once every 90 days, for goodness sakes, then you are an outsider. You are unclean. You are possibly contagious. And yet what they don't talk about when it comes to this demographic, and I'm talking about young, healthy children, is perhaps the most overlooked and underreported story of this year thus far, Tamara. And that would be young, healthy children, particularly male children, dying, you know, from myocarditis related uh, conditions. Um, the media, the health necromancers, the government they won't even entertain questions about this. What has your research uh, dug up, Tamara? Well, I'm glad you brought that up because I'm actually in the middle of a report that will do an update on myocarditis and the normalization of this previously unheard of heart condition in children and young adolescents and tie it in with the fact that we have unprecedented rates of athletes and other professionals dying suddenly, right? We hear about sudden deaths and died suddenly and heart attacks and cardiovascular issues in a way that I have never in my life experienced before. And especially speaking to children, this is unprecedented. And we have a medical profession who is too terrified to face reprimand or have their licenses revoked yep. to speak out against it. But undoubtedly, they have to be the ones who are on the front line treating children in numbers that they have arguably never seen before. This normalization that heart inflammation is a common occurrence in children is absolutely absurd and disgusting. And we need definitely to start to continue to shed more light on it. It's so shameful for all the reasons that uh, you just listed, Tamara. But getting back to the point of the matter of the, your video um, in terms of targeting kids, uh, I hearken back, I think it was last December, I did a commentary on a, another stillborn uh, marketing campaign, this time by Peel Region and their health necromancer. And that was the idea of using Batman, or more specifically Brampton Batman, uh, to push the narrative for children to get jabbed. Why don't we roll a clip of that egregious propaganda? This battle began in January, the year 2020. With over 117,000 cases of COVID-19 in Peel, it's been a tough fight. 
we've missed special occasions, families, friends. We've even experienced online schooling. You have been the real heroes throughout this. With over 2.5 million doses of vaccine given right here in Peel, COVID is starting to give up ground and we're finally starting to win. We need you. There are many battles left to fight and losing is not an option. We're calling on our heroes. If you're five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, or 11 years old, it's almost your turn to get the vaccine, get protected, and protect those around you. So there you have it, Tamara. Um, that campaign was pulled for mysterious uh, reasons. Uh, there was really no reason given. I don't know if it was a matter of running afoul of uh, DC Comics. Uh, they're typically protective of their trademarks, uh, like a mama bear is protective of our cubs. Maybe that was it. Uh, maybe there was just such a huge negative outpouring of comments from parents uh, in Peel region. But the Batman campaign, like the stupid city of Toronto campaign, that was pulled. And by the way, if there is a Brampton Batman, I'm talking to you, arrest already sneaky Patrick Brown. He's worse than the Joker, Riddler, and Penguin combined. But I digress. Um, Tamara, again, another example of a kid-friendly property being used as propaganda to encourage children to get jabbed with this experimental vaccine. I think that's beyond the pale. Truly. And the fact that it was targeted and marketed to children directly through this aggressive superhero campaign, you know, you would get your sticker and you would get your photo taken. And there was a selfie station all set up <laughs> with with capes and superhero uh, goggles and glasses. And you could get free ice cream and there would be a DJ mm. and you could get your very own vaccine passport with vaccine passport stickers. The whole thing is just straight from a propaganda playbook with manipulative tactics, fear campaigns targeted at parents who were suffering the unfounded fears that have been pushed on them by the mainstream media and the government and these, as you call them, health necromancers alike to suffer from such severe hypochondria that they would just run out and get every next injection that the government recommended on their children, regardless of the risk versus benefit calculation or trying to have that adequate informed consent because they were terrified into submission by the government and the health authorities and the mainstream media amplified all of this rhetoric continually through all of these targeted ad campaigns and now we're seeing that people are fed up they've had enough it doesn't make sense anymore the data starting to speak for itself we see the science evolving right because trusting the science and trusting the experts. Well, that's not how science works. Science is something that you have to scrutinize and question and it will be, ever be evolving. So now that it's evolving and showing a really concerning safety profile and negative health outcomes for children, again, who are at very low statistical risk of a severe outcome from COVID natural infection, parents are starting to wake up. The general population is starting to say, enough is enough. We don't need this propaganda in our faces anymore and we're not falling for it. I agree, Tamara. This is not a matter of science, as in medical science, maybe weird science, maybe political science, but certainly not medical science. And by the way, to bring it back to Toronto, it's amazing how they don't learn from their own mistakes. 
Uh, I also outlined this back in December while Bat uh, Brampton Batman was running around with the Peel Region Necromancer. Uh, John Tory uh, held a press conference with uh, something called Pokeroo. Check it out. Pokeroo, what did you think? Pokeroo! 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 I gather for those who could translate, uh, this is a, a ringing endorsement. Uh, this is a character, a few words. And so uh, this is all good. And uh, I can tell that Pokeru is a huge fan of the setup. Yeah. So what an incredibly stupid campaign to begin with, even if I supported the idea, Tamara, of using children friendly mascots and characters to promote the jab. Pokeroo is a character from Polka.Door. That went off the air in 1993. In other words, when Kim Campbell was prime minister for a day. What I'm saying is that the people born in 1993 are now adults. Pokeroo has no relevance to them. That's how stupid they are at Toronto City Hall. Your thoughts, my friend. I think that they used Pokeroo to play on the fears, again, of the parents and to use them as a tool to get to the children to gain their compliance, because that was actually my era to date myself. Um, I'm familiar <laughs> with Polka Dot Door and Pokeroo. And so that would be sort of a novelty item, right? When you start to see those people interacting with a, maybe what might have been your childhood favorite, then you're more inclined to say, oh, and this gives you nice butterfly feelings and you feel good about it and you have that nostalgia of the, um, the memory of that program and that character. But it also reminds me of the weird ads that went out all across Canada. So there was that one in particular in Alberta where you had this COVID head guy going to a party. And so the ad was called COVID Loves Parties. And the description reads, nobody loves a good time more than COVID. No matter who you invite, he can crash the party. And so it was this COVID head, you know, with the spike proteins and he shows up to this party and he's mingling with everyone. And then I guess, you know, it alludes to the fact that everyone drops dead thereafter because God forbid we have this seasonal respiratory virus with a high rate of recovery um, come to a party and be what at that time was being called an asymptomatic super spreader, which we now know is not a legitimate thing because in order to spread virus, you have to be symptomatic and in close quarters for a prolonged period of time. And, and do you know what's perversely ironic to me, Tamara, is the fact that if we go back several years when the makers of Camel cigarettes, they had a cartoon character, Joe Camel, and they came under incredible criticism and pressure, including from government agencies. And the narrative was, come on, don't use a Disney-fied camel uh, as your mascot. We know what's going on here. Kids are liking this character. And this is an adult product. And you should be an adult with the decision-making powers of an adult to choose whether you're going to smoke cigarettes or not. But those same forces that forced the demise of Joe Camel well, suddenly they're using child-friendly properties to appeal to kids when I think, quite frankly, this is a parental decision. Your thoughts, Tamara? Well, absolutely. And as long as the parents have true informed consent and their emotions and their fears aren't being preyed upon by these targeted fear campaigns, the whole thing it really just, it seems so coordinated and orchestrated that you have to question what more sinister agenda is going on behind the scenes because this is 
behavioral science. This has been studied. It's been tested. It's been played out on the population for the better part of two years. And we're finally seeing people start to snap out of the hypnosis that was imposed onto them through this what I would call industrial strength mind control techniques by this propaganda, by these manipulative tactics, and also just the fact that this was so heavily pushed on the population day in and day out. We were inundated yeah. with COVID hysteria, COVID, 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 COVID numbers, deaths, get your vax. The only way out is the vax. You'll all die. It'll be the winter of death if you're not vaccinated. Um, even if you, there's a hurricane you have to go out and get vaccinated because that will save you against the repercussions of a hurricane. So this is all really coordinated and orchestrated and it's based on behavioral science. I've reported on it in length uh, from the, the World Health Organization's World Health uh, Assembly, things that our health leaders have said, like our public health failure, Teresa Tam. Yeah. So this is not, this is just something that Canadians need to be privy to that's happening to them in a large capacity, unbeknownst to them. Tamara, here's my last question. I think it's the most important question, given that ultimately it's our tax dollars uh, funding this rubbish. Um, and it's this, whether it be Brampton Batman, the Pokeroo campaign, this most latest campaign by the city of Toronto, has have the bureaucrats, have the government officials, have the public health necromancers, as our friend Sheila likes to call them, have they learned a lesson? Namely, stop promoting these COVID jab measures to children. Stop using kid-friendly uh, properties. Or, Tamara, is it only a matter of time in the weeks and months ahead where we're going to see some other government agency or some other city hall launch a completely inappropriate child-friendly campaign to push the vaccines? Well, I definitely don't have a crystal ball. So who knows what's to come in the future? I think that just making people aware that this is happening and doing the best journalistic efforts that we can to share the other side of the story and the real world data as it continues to come out. Um, but I think that what I'm seeing at least is that the public health officials have really backpedaled on how much they're out there marketing and targeting campaigns toward children and youth. And we're seeing a scrub of the pub public record. So that was evidenced by the fact that, you know, the Toronto city of Toronto scrubbed these ads before, you know, not, not um, before people were able to rip their own copies of them, but we're starting to see, and I'll have a report out on this and I think I can tease it a little bit, but for instance, one hospital in the United States put out a myocarditis ad uh, based on a, a pediatric hospital and it told the story of this poor little girl who was having some pain. It turned out to be myocarditis. And that hospital has actually scrubbed that ad from their YouTube channel. And so we're seeing also simultaneously a backpedaling by public health officials and by government for some of these more, these younger demographics. But we're also seeing a scrubbing of the public record. So that's really concerning. But, you know, as long as you know where to look and how to navigate the Internet, you can bookmark these things or rip them yourself so that we can keep tabs and track of what was said and by whom. Because I really hope that a reckoning will come, that this was all based on faulty science and data, and the government should have never recommended these injections and pushed them so heavily and indiscriminately on various sectors of the population. 100% well said, Tamarin. As I've said before, no one, no journalist in our great dominion is doing 
the kind of reporting you're doing on the COVID-19 file. You are just knocking it out of the park like Aaron Judge these days, Tamara. So thank you so much for this and have yourself a great weekend. Thanks, David. Appreciate your words. You got it. And that was Tamara Ugolini in Coburg, Ontario, where I think they've taken the fence down so you can go swimming in the lake if you so desire. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. Last week, parts of Canada's East Coast were absolutely hammered with one of the worst storms in the region's history. Hurricane Fiona roared through Nova Scotia and Prince Edward Island, leaving behind widespread damage, power outages, and people concerned about, well, food security and clean drinking water. The carnage was so bad on Canada's East Coast that repair crews were coming up from the United States, from Maine, actually, to help bring the utility grid back online. That is, until the Arrive Can app had other plans for everybody, delaying the rescue efforts because these crews of Americans had not yet uploaded their information into Justin Trudeau's vaccination spy app, Arrive Can. Anyway, the power's out, the roads are blocked with debris, help is delayed, and people are worried about food and water. But the Department of Fisheries and Oceans saw the natural disaster as the perfect time. They seized the moment to remind our maritime friends that even if food washes up at your feet, it's illegal to eat it. Look at this. As well, if you find lobsters washed up on the shore after the storm, remember it is illegal to harvest them. Simply leave them there. Let's think about this. So you don't have food in your house or the food you have is spoiling. And the food's just in front of you on the beach. And that food can now spoil if you don't pick it up and eat it. But it's also illegal. And the government has taken this time to remind you in the middle of a storm. Thanks, big government. Now, that outlandish tweet drew backlash immediately. And the DFO ultimately issued an apology. But how did it all come to be? Well, I filed for access to information to get more details on the planning of that tweet. They are forthcoming. And I'll let you know when I get them. You can support our investigative efforts at a special website, rebelinvestigates.com. But what I can tell you today is that this tweet was definitely not an accident. I know that because I have an order paper response to an inquiry posed by Ontario Conservative MP Shelby Cramp Newman back in June. She wanted to know about social media staffing in these government agencies. And according to the ministry, there are 13 full-time staff working at the Department of Fisheries and Oceans on social media, including two managers, a team lead, and three advisors. So it wasn't some intern posting stupid things on their own in the height of the storm. It was a planned thing by a whole team. But it's a common theme from this liberal government telling you it's your civic duty to die out of obligation to some dumb rule. Remember when Justin Trudeau said this? A culture where the difference is guns can be used for hunting or for sport shooting in Canada, and there's lots of gun owners, and they're mostly law-respecting and, and, and law-abiding. But you can't use a gun for self-protection in Canada. That's not a right that you have in the Constitution or anywhere else. If you 
try and buy a gun and say it's for self-protection. No, you don't get that. You get it for hunting. You can get it for sports shooting. You can take it to the range. Uh, no problem, as long as you go through our rigorous background checks. But there's a difference around the culture. And one of the things that we're yeah. seeing with the debate in the States is you get more and more of the American-style, you know, right-to-carry, self-defense arguments filtering up through through the uh, you know the, the usual more right-wing communications channels. Yeah. It's your moral obligation to die, according to the liberals. Die of starvation in a natural disaster. Die at the hands of some home invader. Just die to follow some dumb liberal rule. Die to follow their leader. Do you think Justin Trudeau would go hungry in a natural disaster or tell his security to stand down because he thinks firearms are illegal for self-defense, which, by the way, they're not. Justin Trudeau is just an idiot. You can meet force with force to preserve your life, and it doesn't matter if Justin Trudeau doesn't like your choice of force. Anyway, not a chance to any of that. Just remember, your hungry belly and your dead family, oh, you're just doing your part for Canada, for the civilized society. Thanks, liberals, but no thanks. Wow. For those Canadians residing in the Maritime Provinces and Newfoundland, please take note. The Department of Fisheries and Oceans is demanding that you do your civic duty, which is to say that should an unauthorized wayward lobster wash up on shore, don't eat it. That's against the law, apparently. So please, in the aftermath of Hurricane Fiona, remain calm and continue to go hungry in the dark. Unbelievable. You know, folks, I think the B-52s need to update the lyrics to their biggest hit song, namely Rock Lobster. How about this? Motion in the Ocean. Lobsters washing ashore, lots of trouble, lots of bubble. The scavenger was in a jam. The DFO officer issued a slam. Block lobster. Block lobster. Okay, maybe not. And with more of this whale of a tale is our landlocked chief reporter out in northern Alberta. And that would be, of course, <laughs> Sheila Gunn-Reed. Hey, how you doing there, Sheila? David, you put more work into that parody <laughs> tune than I put into this entire video. So thank you for that. Um, You're more than I, welcome. But I'm Sheila. I'm shocked because I didn't think that Rock Lobster was their biggest hit. I thought it was Love Shack. So I learned something from you. I hope I'm right because, A, <laughs> I hate Love Shack. I can't listen to that. And, uh, B, uh, Rock Lobster is, is a, a much better tune and uh, is surreal and uh, it's a great song to dance to. But enough of the dancing around. Sheila, the first thing that strikes me about the bureaucratic bozo who wrote this memo is simply the sheer lack of empathy for Atlantic yeah. Canadians suffering through this storm. You know, only some pencil neck geek sitting comfortably in Ottawa could come up with this idiotic tweet. What was your first impression when you heard about this tweet admonishing people to leave the lobsters alone? Well, that's the thing. Like, they're in the middle of a natural disaster. The power's out. Uh, Justin Trudeau's stupid arrive can rules has delayed help coming up from Maine to get the utility grid oh, yes. back on. Yeah. People's 
you know, their fridges are spoiling, their freezers are defrosting. They're worried about, you know, food security. And if you go out to the beach and food is literally washed up on the beach in front of you, and if you don't pick it up and eat it, it'll spoil. That's illegal. That was what the DFO thought. This is the most appropriate time. Let's seize the moment to remind these people that, as you say, it's your civic duty to starve in a natural disaster. It would be like a tornado blowing through my part of the world and there's a a steer just dead in the yard. <laughs> but yeah. I can't carve it up and eat it. I have to do my civic duty, let it spoil and starve to death to follow some stupid rule. Unbelievable. And by the way, Sheila, since you bring up uh, Prime Minister Blackface McGroper, um, you know, there's always a silver lining in things. And I'm sure for Mr. Trudeau, with all this hurricane activity, surfs up. And uh, <laughs> given that today is Truth and Reconciliation Day, I guess he's going to bugger off to Tofino or Costa Rica, a lot of commotion in the ocean. Or do you think this guy learned from his faux pas of last year? No, definitely not. On Thursday, <laughs> photographs came out of him visiting the wreckage and carnage of Hurricane Fiona. And there are pictures of of people just sobbing. They've lost everything. And then there's another picture, same day, I think maybe even an hour, not even an hour later, Justin Trudeau with a big gang of friends, like big smiles. And he just cannot help but be the bride at every uh, wedding and the corpse at every funeral. He just can't help it. He just does not know how to be appropriate even for a second. Unbelievable. Well, I guess on the plus side, he didn't sing a Queen song, did he? <laughs> and by the way, Sheila, getting back to this issue at hand, now I know it's not a common occurrence that a lobster being a bottom-feeding creature washes up on shore. But given you know the force of this storm, should that happen, what's wrong with a beachcomber walking along and getting a lobster dinner? I mean, that's actually against the law. And if it is, how in blue hell does the DFO enforce such a thing? It is against the rules. You have to be a <laughs> lobster fisherman to, to take lobster out of the ocean. So I guess that, you know, the liberals are trying to protect the lobster quota for the fishermen. But... Again, the, thinking that it's someone's civic duty to die to follow some dumb rule is a distinctly liberal quality, particularly with Justin Trudeau. Remember when he said that you don't have the right to defend your life mm. with a firearm. So if a burglar breaks into my house, I have to assume they're benevolent. And even if he says he's going to kill me, according to Justin Trudeau, this is not how the law works, though. Um, but according to Justin Trudeau, even if this guy says he's going to kill me, I don't have the right to defend my life with a firearm. Um, so uh, naturally, your hungry belly, your starvation in a natural disaster, that's just your civic duty, just like it's your civic duty to die at the hand of a murderer. It's so tone deaf, Sheila. And I wonder, given that the line share of Atlantic Canadian writings are indeed liberal, Whenever this next federal election comes down the pike, do you think Atlantic Canadians will remember this slap in the face, will remember this arrogance being directed at them from some DFO bureaucrat in Ottawa, uh, or are they going to continue to vote for this regime? 
I used to think that the Atlantic provinces were a lost cause. <laughs> that it was just, that's how they, they just voted that way at a habit. They didn't even know, like they didn't even see the other names on the ballot. They just checked the liberal box. Uh, but I think this is different because this is somebody telling you, you literally have to die to follow our dumb, stupid <laughs> rules. And I think that might change some hearts and minds. And what really stuck out to me about all of this was, it wasn't just the dumb tweet. Because you could maybe have written off, this is just some dumb social media intern finishing out their summer internship and not knowing how to deal with a natural disaster. But we have the records that say that there are, and this astounded me, because we are Rebel News. We're on all the social media platforms. We don't have a social media team this size. The DFO somehow has a bigger social media team than us. They have 13 full-time staff there, including, as is always the case with the bureaucracy, lots of managers. So they have two managers, a team lead, and three advisors that this heartless tweet got past. So this is not just some random intern. This was plotted. This was planned. This was something they felt in the middle of a natural disaster that is destroying lives and robbing people of everything. This is what they need to hear from us. You know, you're so right. It's not some random rogue tweet. It went through all these filters and everyone said, yeah, this is legitimate. Now, in fairness, they did delete the tweet. They did apologize. But I think the only thing that could have ramped up this story to make it more vulgar than it is would be some DFO officer on some Nova Scotia or Newfoundland beach actually writing up a ticket uh, for somebody plucking a lobster uh, off the beach. You know what it reminds me of, Sheila? Remember uh, the last couple of summers in Toronto, you had Trinity Bellwoods Park. There were 800 social distancing circles being patrolled by law enforcement and by law. And if you, as an honest law-abiding taxpayer, had too many people in your social distancing circle or got out of the spray paint on the grass of your social distancing circle, you face an $880 fine. But right next door, Tent City, homeless people with vicious, violent dogs uh, breaking every hygiene rule. And, eh, and John Tory's Toronto, what you gonna do? That's what this reminds me of, you know, going after uh, the honest, hardworking people who are already enduring uh, such um, an upheaval given the force of this storm that's coming to shore. Sheila, last word goes to you, my friend. Is this any different, really, than what we've seen the last two years when we've seen restaurant owners, business owners make the dire decision to just try to survive. Mm. You know, they're in between a rock and a hard place when the lockdown comes and they say, this rule is stupid <laughs> and I'm not going to lose everything. My kids need to eat. I'm opening my doors. How is it any different than some DFO cop coming and slapping a lobster out of your hand so it can spoil on the beach? It's all the same government mentality that you got to suffer because you need to check this stupid little rule box. Incredible. I'll tell you, if I was an Atlantic Canadian, I had that jackpot of lobsters coming ashore in a beach near my house, Sheila. Well, to paraphrase the late, great Charlton Heston vis-a-vis uh, -vis firearms, what I would say to the DFO officer is, you can have my crustacean 
when you pry it from my cold, dead hands, you know? I want to say those fighting words for everyone within the sound of my voice to hear and to heed, and especially for you, Mr. Gore. <laughs> from my cold, dead hands. It's so David, surreal. I don't I don't even like lobster, but I would be down there on the beach like a seagull when the tide goes out, just <laughs> grabbing them up. Somebody told me not to. <laughs> I don't understand how you don't like lobster. I love lobster, which is all the more reason to violate these uh, unbelievable rules. Sheila, have a great weekend, my friend. I will. You too, David. OK, then. And folks, that was Sheila Gunn-Reed, Rebel News chief reporter somewhere in the northern hinterland of Alberta, where there are no rats and there are no lobsters either, so she'll never be arrested. Keep it here. Uh, more of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. David Menzies for Rebel News here in Burlington, Ontario. And folks, I'm just a, about a football field or so away from the Halton District School Board. This is the site of a protest led by the People's Party of Canada. They're not afraid to take on the hot issues. I wish I could say that about some other political parties. But in any event, it's in regard to Mr. Kerry Luke Lemieux, going by the name now of Miss Kayla Lemieux. He is the one with those enormous fake breasts. He wears see-through tops with nipples protruding. He wears a long uh, blonde wig, tight bicycle pants. It's quite a spectacle. And, you know, the question arises, what in fact is he doing? It has surfaced on social media. This might be an enormous prank. Or maybe this is some kind of bizarre transitioning but I don't buy that. I think most people, regardless of the gender, who are transitioning do it in a subtle fashion. They're not trying to bring attention to themselves. So there are so many questions to the enigma that is Mr. or Miss Lemieux. Let's uh, wade into the crowd and find out what their concerns are. We got into this mess as a society and we can choose to let things get worse, stay the same or get better. All three are options are available to each and every one of us to pick. It's up to you to pick the one that best suits you. As for me, I'm standing up and saying, not on my watch. Thank you. What we are asking the school board, please, please work for your students. Work for the parents. Be, you know, have a common sense and just look at what is happening right now in our country. Stop that and you can be courageous and know they, they don't want to do anything now because they think that somebody will sue them on that because of the human right code. They think that they're gonna be sued. So what? So what? When the legislation and the law is unconstitutional, illegal, and unethical, you must act in line with your values and not following that law of that legislation. 
What I see is a bureaucracy that's paralyzed by very poorly thought out legislation. The most important thing in the whole incident, what's happening right now is, it's absolutely priceless, the response of our institution, the response of Halta District School Board, the response of the, the high school principal, there is no response from Dogford. Well, I live very closely here, it hits home for me, and uh, it's so outrageous uh, that someone would be acting out a fetish in front of children and then of course to just uh, dodge the question and, and run away. It seems like the response across the board, like the world is uh, certainly taking a turn. I think it's sick, I think it's twisted, and I think that children should be able to have an education and not... Indoctrination. Education, not indoctrination. Well, that bizarre tale of the shop teacher at Oakville Trafalgar High School who continues to dress up as a caricature of a woman, it just keeps on going. We speak of Kerry Luke Lemieux, a.k.a. Kayla Lemieux, a.k.a. Busty Lemieux, an individual who continues to fascinate and appall people the world over. So it was that a protest was held by the People's Party of Canada outside the headquarters of the Halton District School Board in Burlington, Ontario last Sunday. The message conveyed by PPC leader Maxime Bernier was this. Let's have common sense eclipse insane wokeism and the sooner the better. In any event, you had plenty to say regarding the ongoing circus sideshow that is taking place daily at shop class at Oakville Trafalgar High School. Ali Agnes writes, the only way to win this is when the students themselves walk out of school and not return until this nut job is gone. Unfortunately, as long as the students put up with it, there will be no change. There needs to be a student that will take on the role of leader and organize a walkout. You know, I think that's a great idea, Ali. I've spoken to many kids at Oakville Trafalgar. I think they're great kids, despite the ongoing indoctrination that is taking place thanks to the uber-woke Halton District School Board. And what's the worst that can happen? A suspension if they walk out? Big deal. They are learning nothing of value in Busty Lemieux's class, especially thanks to all those workshop safety rules that he continues to violate on a daily basis. Furry Furness writes, I asked my 22-year-old son if this kind of abuse in high school would have affected him when he was in shop class, and he replied that at a young age, it would have left a scar on him mentally. Get your young boys out of that class. You know, it's funny, isn't it, Furry Furness? School boards say it's all about the kids when they introduce some crackpot policy. Teachers unions, when their members go on strike for more money and benefits, they always say it's all about the kids. But when it comes to the ongoing unreasonable accommodation of Busty Lemieux, it's all about turning a blind eye to an individual who might just be a sexual pervert. And in the opinion of the educrats who operate the Halton District School Board, well, if the kids have a problem with this wokeism, then they can just go to hell. Shameful beyond words. Angel Baby writes, love the a woman is not a costume sign. Indeed, Angel Baby. And you know what? I bet if a student or a teacher came to school wearing, say, 
oh, I don't know, a Mexican sombrero, then that person would be suspended due to cultural appropriation. But when it comes to wearing a costume that makes a mockery of the figure of a biological woman, nothing to see here, folks. Move along, move along. Michelle Lambecker writes, Max has stood with Canadians against the vax mandates during the truckers' protests and now for the children against this ridiculous wokeness. He has my vote for prime minister. You know, I love Mad Max myself. Radical transgenderism is a political third rail in Canada these days for some reason. But Mr. Bernier and his PPC candidates are never, never afraid to take a stand on hot potato issues like this. The question arises, why are so many other elected politicians being so silent on this nonsense that continues to go on in Oakville? And Fire Queen 78 writes, Wow, well done to the protesters and well done Rebel News for covering this. Sending all good wishes for a swift resolution to this awful situation for the school kids watching from New Zealand. Well, thanks kindly, Fire Queen 78. And, you know, this story has been a worldwide sensation, receiving coverage from the UK to India to Australia. Yet the Canadian lamestream media, with a few exceptions, they've chosen to ignore this story. Why? Well, they are typically supporters of the radical transgender movement. They typically have no problem with biological males competing with real women in sports. They typically have no problem with male prisoners identifying as females so that they can serve out their sentences in a woman's penitentiary. But even Trudeau state-sponsored stenographers know that something is not quite right with this story, that maybe this is about someone carrying out a cosmic prank, or maybe Lemieux is mentally ill. But rather than investigate this story like we're doing, the members of the Liberal Party, oh, I'm sorry, I mean the media party, are choosing to ignore this story. Yes, your hard-earned tax dollars, hard at work yet again, folks. Well, that wraps up another edition of Rebel Roundup. Thank you so much for joining us. Have yourselves a fantastic weekend. And as always, folks, never forget, without risk, there can be no glory. Good night.